Welcome to the TappingSolution.com's Bits and Pieces podcast, where we share information designed to change your life. Whether you're new to EFT tapping or an old hand, you'll find simple, inspiring information to brighten your day, motivate you, and help you live your best life. To learn more about tapping, visit thetappingsolution.com. Now, here's today's clip. Hi there. In today's podcast, we have a fantastic clip from my sister Jessica's Hay House radio show. I hope you enjoy the clip. Today's show is all about love. It is all about how you can find a relationship. So for those of you who are single and frustrated, listen closely. And then we're going to shift gears and talk about how to take a current relationship and reignite that flame to bring more passion, to bring more nourishment into that relationship. So let me introduce you to our incredible guest. She is a friend of mine. Rachel D'Alto is a relationship expert. She's been on basically every TV show that you could think of. The Today Show, Good Morning America, Access Hollywood, CNN. She does incredible workshops all over the world. She really helps people find the love that they want. I'm thrilled that she is with us. Welcome, Rachel. Hey, Jess. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, I'm happy that you are with us. Like I said, Rachel, we talked very briefly this morning, and we were just kind of jamming, trying to figure out what we wanted to cover today. And one of the things that you said is when it comes to people in the most pain, you see it it's very common that people who are not in a relationship and who have been looking for a relationship for a long time can be in that place of pain and frustration. I want to hear a little bit more from you. When people call you because they're struggling to find a relationship, what are the stories that they're sharing? What, how are they feeling emotionally? You know, the people who call you, what are the similarities? Yeah, and that that really is the case, the, the pain point of when you're really searching for something that you know you want and you know you want it now and you haven't found it. So primarily what I see is people really, really do want a relationship and whether it's men or women, we think we tend to think that the men are just out there to date and have fun, but no, I have just as many male clients that work with me because they want it too. They want a companion. We are biologically programmed to want a companion, primarily for mating purposes, but we like the, the actual relationship too. So when we don't have that, when they've been dating for a while and really frustrated by what's out there, when they've had relationships that aren't fulfilling um, or they're just not meeting anybody, and that happens sometimes too where it's just like there's been no one of substance and when you have those experiences, people tend to get down on themselves first before they blame the process or serendipity. So that's where that pain point comes in. Is there must be something wrong with me because, you know, Jessica's in love and she's in a great relationship, but I don't have one. And it must be my fault. I must be doing something wrong. And what I want to talk about today is that's not necessarily the case because I don't want people looking at their status as an indicator of their worth. Yes. You know, one of the things that I would say when I was single and people and girlfriends would, like, bring it up, I'd always say, you know, being single is not a disease. 
yeah. that needs to be cured. It's just a moment in my life. Yeah. But there seems to be this stigma that, you know, you feel like people either assume that there's something wrong with you or they say that question, which I can't stand. How are you still single? Which yeah. is supposed oh to be a compliment, Please, but it's it. so, <laughs> so annoying. Um, but you're right. A, a common question a lot of people ask themselves is, what's wrong with me? And you're saying that's not the right question to ask. It's not only us. There are some other factors in play. So I'd love to go to hear those, those other factors that are in play when we're struggling. Okay. Well, the first one, and this is going to be the one that people don't want to hear the most, and it's not even part of my three, but it's more of like an overall umbrella is that, and I say this all the time in my newsletters and my social media, there is magic in love. And anybody who's in love or has ever been in love knows that there's a certain timing. It comes out of nowhere sometimes. And it's not something that you can go off and check on a checklist and go off and get it. So understanding that there might be nothing wrong with you. These blocks that we're about to talk about have nothing to do with it. It just might not be the right time. There is magic in there. And we have to kind of release those, those beliefs, those desires to control things and kind of lead it up to that. And that understanding that serendipitously you will meet these people. There are things you can do to make that more likely like getting rid of these blocks, but above all, it's, it's not on your timeline. It's the only thing in your life, like you can control a whole lot of things in your life. Love is not one of them because you're dealing with so many different factors and so many different other people. Right. So when we're, we're hearing this, say someone's listening and they're single and they're understanding what they're saying, what you're saying, how do we bring that in? Like, how do we feel peace in those moments? How do we have yeah. faith that there is magic in love? Is there a thought that you hold on to or something that we can remind ourselves of? I do. Yeah, there's a couple of things. Um, one, one of my favorite books is uh, Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now. And I think that it's a really great one. And frankly, not that we shouldn't tell him this, but I only read like the first couple chapters and then stop and then go back and read the first couple chapters. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it gets to the point pretty quickly of, there's power in now. There's power in right now. And right now is all we have to worry about. Stop. When you live in the future, when you live in the past, you're ignoring the present. And that's where all the magic is happening now. Like, there's magic in everything. So the more you can just stay present, appreciate everything you have right now. And I know there's people out there that kind of want to hit me right now. It's okay. But they have to understand is that the more that you embrace the present, the more likely it is that that's going to flow into everything else in your life and that makes it more likely to find love when you're you're really, really present and you're really just enjoying yourself. This whole thing we call life, this whole journey is meant to be enjoyed. And if we're not enjoying it, then we need to figure out what we need to change in those aspects. But And this understanding, it's going to happen when it's going to happen. I can't control this. And releasing it, doing a lot of, you know, releasing techniques, surrendering. Everybody loves and hates the word surrender because they think they're giving up all of their power. They're not. You're just letting go of the attachment that it has on you. Right. Right. It makes a lot of sense. One of the things that, because I've done a lot, I actually worked with you. I had a one-on-one with you um, about a year ago and, and I did a lot of this, this work on myself. And one of the things that helped me because you're right. This is what's so frustrating is that a relationship takes two people. You can't control everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like money or your your health where you're just, you know what to do. There is some magic involved. So I would also say to myself, well, maybe I'm ready, but maybe he's not ready. And, it, and if it's uh, the right person, it's worth the wait. Yep. 
So and trust that that person is out there. Yeah. So, so there's more things to play. Leaving. I, I love that. I mean, it makes me think I probably need to do a tapping meditation on this. But yeah, so the first thing is surrendering. Okay, surrendering and trusting in magic. All right, I'm writing those yeah. down. Okay, so that's that's the thing. Okay, that so we, that's my umbrella. Overall, now the umbrella. I get into the three things. Okay. <laughs> so, and this is another one I know you talk about all the time, and and anybody in the health and wellness sector does too. Is that self love component? And it's as cliche as it gets, but if you are self loathing. If you are full of negative self-talk, if you are allowing everybody to step all over you, you do not love yourself enough to be loved by anybody else. And I, I understand that there's a lot of things that go into that, and there's a lot of heart, like heartache that, that people hold on to and a lot of pain and all of these things. But the biggest thing that I see blocking people from finding relationships, regardless of timing, is that self-love component. And... There's so many things that people can do to help that, whether it's tapping, whether it's, you know, uh, talk therapy or hypnotherapy or anything that that really, or or just even just taking care of yourself, but people don't have enough self-love. We are filled with loathing and it's, Mm -hmm. it's really heartbreaking to see. It is. What would you say to someone who knows somebody else in a relationship and they're in the self, they see their friend and their friend is the self-loathing type of person but they're still in a relationship. So you yeah, I would them. question the health of the relationship. Yes. And not, you know, not that I want everybody going around and be like, your relationship's probably awful because you hate <laughs> yourself. <laughs> but at the same time, really pay attention. When you see people who are really angry with themselves and, and really don't, don't respect themselves or love themselves, look at how it affects their life. You know, if you can sit on the outside and see that, you see how it affects it. You see what they're willing to accept that typically in a healthy relationship. And that's really what I want people to get to. It's not all about the passion and the crazy romance and all of that. It's all about getting a healthier relationship. And the likelihood is less than that people who are in that self-loving state are going to be in a healthy relationship where there's mutual respect and there's mutual consideration, empathy, and compassion. So you'll see it. Do you feel that when, if you're single and you really want to find someone, the first step before, say, going out onto the dating websites is that it's actually an invitation to do some inner work? For sure. For sure. Right. And people resist that like nothing I've ever seen. <laughs> and they... you know what? Something that's important is because we said, you know, on one side we're saying, okay, it's sometimes it's not just about you. It's not that you're broken. And now we're saying do the inner work. I think it's important to bring up the fact that just because you're doing inner work doesn't mean you're broken either. Exactly. It's like we all need to do the inner work. Yeah. I, I One, I don't even like to use the word broken. I don't think anybody's broken. We have right. just experiences that get us to a place where it can. we have certain pain points in our life, and that's okay. There is no one out there that doesn't need to keep doing the work. And you and I both know there are a million of us in this, this wellness community and it doesn't mean that any of us are perfect. I am the most far from perfect human being you have ever seen. <laughs> I will be I'm doing in that work. club. <laughs> <laughs> we are right. human, you know. None of us are, are the walking Christ. So <laughs> you need to understand that we are in this together and that just because I say to you this needs some this needs to do some work and we need to do some some healing around this or journaling or breathing or tapping or whatever it is, it doesn't mean that you're bad and I'm right because it, 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 everybody has to do it. So, right. yeah. Okay, percent. so we've learned the 
umbrella of love is magic, we've yeah. learned the first block, which is you got to go within and look at the self-love and make that a primary focus. What's yeah. the second block? The second block is standards. Now, people are going to think that their standards are too high and, you know, that list of 17 things. And, you know, this is one of my favorite things in the world to talk about. Uh, but I say that their standards are typically too low and they're looking at things, that list of 37 qualities they're looking for in a mate or, you know, the 14 things that they can't live without with someone. Most of the time, it's so superficial. It's, you know, I need someone and I'm guilty of the too sometimes. I like a tall man. I need someone six foot up and, and plus and I need them to have this build and, you know, down to the eye color some people. I, I used to do matchmaking, and I actually had to take it out of my repertoire because it was so superficial, and I couldn't take it. <laughs> like, don't you people understand these people have souls? <laughs> so what I say for standards is that we're, we're setting the wrong standards. So people are setting the wrong standards. They're looking at the dating pool or at their possibilities in the wrong way. They're looking at it uh, from a very superficial standpoint. And what I urge people to do is set up those standards in a different way. Look at them as what are your non-negotiables? And these are the things that I preach to anybody who will listen to me. It's finding those things that you absolutely can't live without, those baseline people, people values um, that they have that are going to be there now and they're going to be there when they're 100 because these are core values that they have in in their soul. Yes. This was hard. You had me do this and I I found it very difficult (laughs) to be honest. It is. It should be. When people are like, oh, how about X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, "Uh, you kind of want to think about this. I'm talking about your life, mate. (laughs) Well, and one of the things that you said to me was you have to think about values that are important when you're 90 years old and you're looking back at your life. Yeah. Because certain things come and go. Because I think one of the things that I wrote was I wanted somebody who was an entrepreneur. I remember that. Right? And they had control of their own schedule. Yeah. And that was very important to me because I have control over my own schedule and uh, there's a certain freedom that comes with that. And you said that's not, that doesn't matter when you're 90 years old. It doesn't matter what type of career the person has. And, um, and the irony is, is I'm with someone who does work for a great company. So <laughs> they're not an entrepreneur. <laughs> But they meet all of the other values that yeah. you had me write down. And, you know, one of them for me was um, a family man. Mm-hmm. I remember that um, really values family. Another one was humor mm-hmm. um, and all laughter. And I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember the other ones, but I did do my homework. <laughs> and write right. them down. Can you can you give us some examples of, say, what people the kind of standards people set, some of the things that people list? You mentioned eye colored and eye color and things like that. So those are the standards that are not helpful. Um, They're not. Not helpful. What are some of the standards that are helpful? So I talked about like family, same family values, humor. What are some kind of other set things? Yeah. So ambition, charisma, uh, like a love of travel is even a great value because that's something, and you can break it down. So anybody start with one thing and tell me, okay, I need someone who loves to travel. Okay. What does that mean to you? What's the benefit of travel to you? Is it you want someone who's willing to explore the world, who's exploratory, who's uh, definitely intelligent and and loves to learn? Um, These are all those types of things where when you break it down, uh, they become an actual value instead of just uh, a checkmark of something. 
But a lot of people come to me and they want they want someone with money, and that's a very common thing. I want them to make X, Y, and Z. And, well, what does that mean to you? What does that give you? Okay, so you want security. You want someone who values security. It, it all comes down to a certain value, and then you're able to decipher what does security mean to me when you meet those people. Is this man who makes thirty thousand dollars a year with everything paid off? He's just as secure as the man who's making a million dollars a year and has everything in debt. So when you understand how to how to core it down to those values, and you're able to actually have an idea of really what you're looking for and what you have in front of you. And the other thing it does is it saves you time. When I yeah. sat down and wrote these values, I'd go on a date and somebody wouldn't have the values and I'd be like, okay, like it's not a fit. And I didn't have to go through <laughs> the same headache and heartache yeah. that I'd have to go in the past because I had clarity as to you know what my values were. Yeah, because those aren't going to change. If you really, and, and I know you love your family and you have a high value of family. If you have somebody who's like, I hate family. I don't want to spend any time with family. And they are the most beautiful person in the world <laughs> and they have everything else. It still won't work because that is such a core value for you that it will never end up in a place where you feel fulfilled. Right. Makes sense. All right. So that was number two. What is the, uh, the third thing that we should do? Yeah. The third thing that I see people getting blocked when they're looking for love, is fear. People are afraid of everything. They're afraid of rejection. They're afraid of pain. They're afraid of their own shadow sometimes after some really bad situation. So understanding that, yes, it's okay to feel fear. It's okay to feel scared of being hurt. Nobody wants to be hurt. Nobody wants to be rejected. But at the same time, when you allow fear to really consume yourself and consume your life, you're not letting anybody in because you've built their wall. And I do this in hypnosis a lot of times with my clients because you tune into their heart. And a lot of times the visualization that they have of their heart is that it's, it's covered in, in armor. It's covered in concrete. It's covered in whatever, you know, all these different really, really hard substances. But that's really just a metaphor for what they're doing to their heart because of fear. And no one's getting through that. And then, even if that magic is possible and that magic's there and that person really in, in the wing, they can't come in because it's so blocked. Right. That's, that's so true. So is it, do we need to get clarity on where our fear is coming from? Well, part of this is understanding that you are acting out of fear. So that's the first recognition is to say, okay, I am pushing this person away or I am not putting myself out there or... I'm, you know, whatever this, this uh, negative behavior is, I'm doing that because I'm afraid and understanding mm -hmm. that because then you can actually control the behavior as a first step. And then after that is kind of the next step would be, okay, so I, I recognize that this fear is here, but where does it come from? Is it a fear of abandonment because that's been my cycle? Is it a fear of rejection because that's been my cycle? Where is that coming from? Because once we understand things, and sometimes I do this all the time with people, once they get it and they understand where the root of it is, they can actually control it and realize this isn't the truth. This is just something that happened to me in the past. I'm not going to always be abandoned. I'm not always going to be rejected. I'm not always going to be with somebody who's abusive or whatever those fears are based in. They're always based in something very real. Um, but we have that power just by awareness to break it, break that cycle. Right. 
And, you know, and we have to break it because if we don't, if we find ourselves in a relationship, we just bring all of our old junk from our old relationship into mm-hmm. the new one, and, and it makes that relationship suffer. Yeah, and that, that's something I, I see all the time. We are so scared to be alone because then we're alone with our thoughts, we're alone with our pain, and we all have it. But then we jump back into the next relationship without addressing anything. And then all of a sudden, you're like, how did this happen again? Well, it happened again because you did nothing in between. There's a lot of work that has to happen in between a breakup and a reconnection. That's why it, it should take time. Right. That's why they call it rebound. Yes, yes, definitely. What would you say to someone who's listening to this and they're thinking, I have done every, like, woo-woo, like, I've done the inner work, I've done the <laughs> chanting, I've done the meditating and the praying, and I am still single, and I'm so frustrated because I feel like I'm doing everything. That's when we go back to the umbrella, and that's really where that, that belief in the possibility is really important and belief in the hope that's still there, that's what you need to have, but understand that you can't, force it. You can't force it. And it sucks. And I totally understand. I've been there, trust me, where it's like, I just want this so bad right now. And I've done all this stuff. And, you know, that self-love, I got it. And I set my standards and I've addressed my fears. And he's still or she's still not showing up for me. There really is nothing I can say to do except for really trying to enjoy the present and really enjoy your life and believe in that magic and believe in that possibility. Yeah. But know that it's not on your timeline as much as I wish it could be because I would be making a lot of money. Right. <laughs> so like, let me wave that wand. It's right. your time right now. I am not God. <laughs> I, have, I have, like, so I have such a funny story. Um, I went to Paris with uh, Dr. Christian Northrup and Patty Gift, who is uh, who, who works with Hay House. She's one of the top people at Hay House. And uh, Christian and I went to the top of the Eiffel Tower one night. It was really late at night. It was like a a foggy day. There was nobody there. And we had no idea that I think every hour the entire, the Eiffel Tower just lights up in all these just like bright, shiny white lights. And we get up there and it goes off and we're just like, oh my goodness. You know, we're just like, like jumping because we're on the Eiffel Tower and it's sparkling. And Christian looks at me and she says, the Eiffel Tower is like an antenna to the universe. Let's set intentions. So... I set this intention to meet like a wonderful man. So I set that intention. Um, so I had told this story to to my boyfriend, and um, then he goes to New York City and he meets one of my friends, Mama Gina, Regina, and mm-hmm. Regina says to him, "Oh, Jess and I spent a night and we set these intentions and we set the intention to bring you in." And he goes, oh, were you on the Eiffel Tower? And she goes, no, we just did it in my apartment. And then he looks over to me and he goes, how often were you calling me? <laughs> and I was like, I was calling you a lot. <laughs> and, and you know what? Every every time I would uh, do that, there was a joy to it. There was a belief in magic yeah. to it. There's a lightheartedness to it. And that's a huge, huge aspect of it. And, you know, when people talk about manifestation, it's not just like, I believe that there's going to be a man in my future that's going to be amazing. If you don't believe it, if you're not really enjoying it, if it's not really, if you're not giving it that energy that it deserves, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. And still, you know, I don't want people to be like, I'm going to the Eiffel Tower tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, listen, going to the Eiffel Tower, it sounds like it's awesome. But, uh, you know, 
it's believing in that and then just letting it go until they pop up. You know, he doesn't have to show up in 10 minutes. It could take six months. It could take a couple of years. But most people, it's funny, I have all of these conversations with people who are so ready and they want it now and then it doesn't happen right away and they get really, really, really aggravated. But then I talk to them a year, a year and a half later and a lot of times they end up in a relationship. So, yes. Just keep that yeah. hope and keep that faith and be open. Right, right, absolutely. Okay, well, those are, that's great insight. I mean, just going back to the magic. I mean, I, I that's the biggest takeaway that yeah. that you've shared. Um, and I think what a warm, what a warm thought to hold on to as we continue to do that this inner work. What an important umbrella to hold over ourselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we aren't, this isn't witchcraft. We can't just force things. You know, and I think you made a point before that I I think it's worth repeating is that you could go to every woo-woo master out there. You could, you know, go to an astrologist and a psychic and and do everything that's super, 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 you know, spiritual and all of those things and call in this person and it still doesn't happen on your timeline. And it's not because you're doing it wrong. It's not because they're not out trying to help you. It's just we don't have that control. And Anybody who tells you that they can find you love, I hate those things. I'm just going to put that out there. You can't guarantee finding love in 30 days or 60 days or 90 days. You know, you're going to find it when it's your time to find it. And all you can do is enjoy the ride. Yeah, exactly. And if you're doing any of those other things, it has to come from a place of that lightheartedness. And honestly, I think I've been calling this guy in for for 10 years. You know, like it didn't happen... (laughs) It didn't happen right away after the Eiffel Tower. I mean, before the Eiffel Tower, I did a million other things, too. And yeah. I've also done many different things to call in different things I wanted in my life. And mm-hmm. for me, it's about setting the intention, and there's a beauty in rituals. Uh, but it's not, you know, you always have to go back to believing in that, that magic, like you said, and, and letting go of the timeline. So that was fantastic. So great umbrella you shared. The three things that we have to notice uh, to find love. I want to shift gears a little bit because I'm sure there's people who are uh, in a relationship, but they don't feel the same way they did at the beginning of the relationship. You know, they feel Mm -hmm. like um, they're stuck in the rut. It's not as exciting. Um, And that I think can be just as heartbreaking as someone who is not in a relationship. Sure. So, you know, I know you have three things that you're going to share um, that can support them. Is there an umbrella we need to be aware of first? Well, there's still always magic. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's well, so true. I think the one thing is that every relationship, the umbrella I would say is everything's evolving. It's always evolving. We are evolving human beings. And if you are the same person that you were 20 years ago, we're doing something wrong. You're, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> so people are always going to be changing. And it's, the best thing we can do is learn how to adapt with that. Mm, I love that. Okay, so let's go into um, into the first one. Sure. So these are my ABCs because okay. I try to keep it simple that people actually remember. <laughs> I'm we're, go- we're moving to the letters. It's Sesame yeah, Street. So you go to letters ABC. Now. Okay. <laughs> my ABCs. The first one is acceptance. And this is something that is very, very difficult because, like I just said, we are humans unless we have other kinds of people listening right now. We are humans, and we have certain expectations, we have certain desires, and they don't always match our partner. And 
even if you are very highly matched in your core values, you're still different people. You have different personalities and you have different things that you that you tick by and priorities and all of those things. So acceptance is understanding that it's okay to be different. It's okay that they don't do the same thing that I do or they don't have the same level of interest in certain things or ambitions or whatever those are. But it doesn't mean that we're not compatible and it doesn't mean that we're not a good fit for each other. It just means I have to accept it. Do you feel that some struggles in relationships are based on the other person really wanting to change the person that they're with? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, everybody. And, you know, to an extent, some of that's natural. We want people to be like us and to make our lives better, obviously. But at the same time, when we're really trying to change someone at their core, then what what are you with this person for if everything that they do is wrong and every part of them doesn't fit with you? And how does anyone feel good when someone's trying to change them? You know, and I think that's really using empathy in that situation of how would I feel if my partner came home and was like, you know what, I don't like the way you, don't the way you breathe, I don't like the way you walk, I hate the fact that you want to do this for a living, and all of these things. And the feeling that people get when people aren't accepted is just pain. Yes. So we're creating that if we're not going to be accepting, and then it just creates the cycle of okay, they don't accept me, they don't love me. I have to withdraw or I have to get angry or I have to somehow compensate for this because I'm being rejected because that's the opposite of acceptance. What, what would you say to someone who thinks, I just don't want to accept my partner's behavior because I don't think that it's healthy? All right, I want well, to... And there's definitely yeah. exceptions to this. So like addiction, abuse, things like that. It, obviously, you should not be accepting of the fact that they're beating you while drinking vodka. Right. That that's not what we're talking about here. Those type of things, likely when you get down to it, there's a really mismatched core value system. Um, but when it comes to those things, obviously, if it's not healthy for you and you're you're in danger, or it's not healthy for them, and you know he's smoking two packs of cigarettes a day and drinking bourbon at eight a.m., those are things that probably shouldn't be accepted. But really what I'm talking about in terms of acceptance is just the fact that we, we're different. We process differently, we think differently, we live differently, and not necessarily does that mean it's, it's bad or that they're bad or they're wrong. Right. That makes sense. Okay, so acceptance. What's the what's a B? B is boundaries. And this is something that people have a really hard time setting. But <laughs> that's one, you know, you want to say yes to everything. You want to let people in and you want to just really extend yourself. And when we don't have boundaries and I'm not saying keeping everybody away, so it's not like we're we're building walls, we're just setting limits and keeping ourselves. So I like to think of it as it's kind of like a cell, you know, and we have a cell and we have an outer layer. And when you don't have any boundaries, all the good stuff kind of leaks out. But when you have it back together, you're a complete cell and, and it doesn't mean that you can't work well with others and, and, you know, really thrive, it just, it means that you're contained. And sometimes that means putting boundaries in place, whether it means not agreeing to everything that your partner wants, because you don't agree with it, but you're doing it because you feel like you should, or giving all of yourself to someone. 
we're very energetic beings and when you don't have boundaries and you're constantly giving to them and they're not giving it back to refill you, it's a problem. So sometimes you know, setting a boundary people, makes it healthier. Yeah. When people think about how to just, you know, reignite passion in a relationship, boundaries is probably not the first thing they think of. No. <laughs> you know, so you're saying that the boundaries will actually serve everybody involved. Exactly. Because then they know how to complete themselves. A lot of times, too, when somebody's, like, we all know energy suckers in our lives. And there are people that it is actually to their benefit for you to say, I can't go past this limit. You have to figure out how to fill yourself up at this point. And it will actually help them become healthier and become more fulfilled. And also setting boundaries, especially in, in a new relationship, there's a respect that comes from it. You know, no one, and whether they want to admit it or not, is really looking for someone that they can walk all over. And when you set boundaries and you show that you have a brain and respect for yourself, it actually establishes a respect cycle that is, can, can be very, very healthy. Right. So what tips do you have for someone who wants to begin to implement boundaries? So, you know, a boundary would be saying no to something, and oftentimes that feels very difficult. Um, do you have any tips on how we just begin to make this shift without causing too much drama? Yeah, and that that's a really great question because it can cause drama. I mean, people, especially if you've been in a relationship for 25 years and you're like, all of a sudden, no, I'm not taking your, your dry cleaning down or I'm not doing X, Y, or Z. Um, it, can, it can definitely be problematic. So I suggest one, letting them know that, listen, you know, I'm doing this because I feel like I need to do this for myself or I feel better when I'm doing X, Y, Z. So I'm just going to let you know that I can't do this anymore. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways that it falls into place, but the biggest thing is you want to really communicate why you're doing it and it's not out of sight. So a lot of times mm. if you don't, if you jump right into people are like, oh my gosh, I'm going to set all these boundaries. It, it almost feels like you're punishing the person. And that's not really what we're trying to go for here. We're trying to go for, you're just going to take back some of your own power, set some boundaries so that you feel like you're empowered and in control and happy and healthy. But with the idea of like, I'm doing this for both of us and I need to feel amazing and fulfilled to, to be in a great relationship with you. And right. you can start off by baby stepping, you know, no, I don't want to go out with your buddies tomorrow night. I'm going to stay in and read. And that's awesome. Like you go do your thing. You want to have a guy's night. That's great. But that doesn't mean that I have to say yes to go with you and feel, you know, not as good in the morning. Right. That makes sense. Okay. So if you want to set those boundaries, begin by having a discussion of, you know, this is something that I feel like is important for our relationship and kind of give them a heads up. Yeah. Give them a heads up and do it from a place of, of self-love going back to that, the boundaries are the biggest requirement, I think, one of the biggest for self-love. So understand that this is for me, and I'm not doing this to punish you, and I'm doing this because this makes me feel good. And just because I don't want to do X, Y, Z doesn't mean that I don't love you or that, you know, our relationship's any different. It's just I know what I need, and that's not it. Right, right. Okay, so we have B is for boundaries. Let's talk about C. Steve, that's a fun one. Uh, communication. <laughs> so we talk a lot, and most of the time we talk in a way that 
people aren't hearing us and then we're not hearing them. We're just listening to reply and we're not having communication, true communication with our partners. So really understanding each other and really listening to each other is a skill that I see is so essential for a healthy, ignited relationship because when it all comes down to it, everything else kind of slips away. We just want to be heard. Mm -hmm. So our partner wants to be heard just as much as we want to be heard. And true communication is not just us talking, it's listening to. Right. So then, so what tips do you have then, then in like to improve communication? If we say tonight we're having dinner with our partner, our intention is to create better communication. What are some things that we can do? So there's a lot of things. Um, one of my favorite books that I recommend to everybody that is, kind of about communication, but it's also about relationship fulfillment is the five love languages. I'm sure you've heard of it and many of your people in your audience have too, but it's really about connecting and speaking their language. So we think about communication in terms of the words that come out of our mouth. But when you look at it, I think just lost the statistic in my head right now, but I think it's like 6% of our communication comes out of our, our actual words. So the rest of it comes out of our, our body language and tone and inflection. And within that, it's action, too. I would actually argue that our actions speak just as loudly as our words do. So the five love languages goes through what is your love languages and how am I speaking it and how can I speak it? So if, if anyone's in a relationship, they're like, we do not communicate well. We do not, we're not lifting each other up. We're not really filling each other. That's a great first start in terms of just understanding what does this mean to me? What is? What do I need from my partner to feel like I'm fulfilled and to feel like I'm loved and feel like I'm secure? Mm -hmm. So starting with the five love languages and figuring out what your love language is and then going into, okay, how do we communicate actual communication of what comes out of our mouth? You know, are we are we being passive? Are we being aggressive? Are we being passive-aggressive? All of those are things that we don't want to be. We want to be assertive, which is really just about talking in a way that's respectful and standing up for what you need, but not trying to do it underhandedly or in a way that people feel like they're, they're being mulled over. Right. So for someone who is new to love languages, definitely I recommend picking up the book. It makes a massive difference, not just for your intimate relationship, but for really anyone you communicate with. Um, I talk about this all of the time as well, just within my own circle and friends. What does it, what do love languages mean? How is it that we can all communicate in different ways? Yeah. So the, the love languages and how we communicate in different ways is really about how the things you do for someone might not work for the next person. So the love languages are uh, affirmation, uh, acts of service, gifts, quality time, and touch. And some of those people are like, wait, that's not even a language. What are you talking about? This isn't communication, but it is. So what I see a lot of times is that when you have a disconnect in a relationship, it's because the person is giving gifts and thinking that, you know, writing post-it notes and leaving earrings and doing all these things for their partner is really what's going to make them feel loved. But that person's that person's actual love language might be affirmations, which means that he can save a lot of money and just say, you're amazing, you're beautiful, and I think that because of the way that you raise our children or 
you know, I love your laugh and, and affirmations like that, which makes you really feel loved. So everybody has a different um, way of, of having that fulfilled. And oftentimes, you know, you need to identify your own and you need to identify your partners too so that you can also give them what they need. Right. So, you know, just as an example, for me, I'm verbal. So you can, like, buy me things and do things for me uh, and... I won't know that you love me unless you're like, I love you. <laughs> like, yeah. I literally yeah. have to hear it or else I don't understand. I don't really get it. Um, mm-hmm. And for other people, you can say, I love you over and over again, but they won't feel loved unless you're spending quality time with them. Exactly. And they're all important, but we have primary ones. Yeah. We have primary and then we have secondary. So mine, I'm also a verbal. I, I need affirmation. And if you, again, if you're taking out the trash and mopping the floor, and buying me diamonds, I'll be like, that's really nice. But you know what? You haven't told me how amazing I am today. <laughs> right. So, um, but then you have a, a secondary and example, mine's quality time. So, you know, for my perfect relationship, and this is something that I learned and I've seen it over and over again, is like how I need to have somebody who can, who can give these affirmations and can spend quality time together. Right. And that's what really makes, a relationship feel the most fulfilled for me. Now, my partner could have gifts and um, touch as theirs. And then it's really up to you. And that's the thing, too. It's like people are probably listening to this. You're like, gosh, this seems like a lot of work. i got to do all these things. Like, can't it be easy? <laughs> and it is a little bit of work. And But, you know, I just argue that it's, it's worthwhile. And, and really, when you are so compassionate towards what people need, it's it all comes back full circle to you too. So I'm not, I'm not trying to be mother Teresa here and be like, you should just take care of them all the time. No, you're going to get it back. Right. Right. That makes sense. So Rachel, I love hearing some stories. I mean, let's go back to, um, for those who are single, you've worked with many people. I know a lot of it is about magic. Do you have any stories though, that you can share with us, um, that can inspire us? Of, of I mean, I, did this yeah, work. absolutely. I, I've had, oh my gosh, one of my favorite clients in the world. She came to me after struggling for almost six or seven years of being single and at that point pretty desperate, you know, was dating all of the wrong people at all of the wrong times and putting herself in these situations that just kept bringing her down further and further and, you know, in, in really identifying her cycle and like why she's doing this, she realized a lot of it had to do with her family and her background and the way she grew up. But a lot of it had to do with the choices she was making as an adult. And it just went into these cycles. And then as soon as she had that awareness, that's when everything started to click. And it's not that she she ended up, you know, meeting the love of her life and two days after we worked together, but it did happen a year after where she took the time and really started to embrace herself. And I've never seen anybody glow the way this woman does because, you know, she did the, the inside work and then the outside stuff came. Came. Oh, I love that. Well, and that's nice to hear that she did the inside work and then it was a year later yeah. when it, it when wasn't it instantaneous. Came. And that's, you know, the biggest thing, like I said, I, I wish, I wish it was easy all the time. Um, but it's not, and it, it's trusting that process, and she trusted it. Another one, oh, my gosh, <laughs> now I'm thinking of, like, they just flood back now. One of my other clients, he is 
by far the sweetest man I've ever met in my entire life. He had never dated at all um, until he was 40 years old, and but had the best attitude I had ever seen on anybody. Like, literally, everything went to positive. Everything had a lesson. Everything was just really there to help him learn, and that was his attitude. And he started working with me, and his whole goal was just to, like, go on a date. Like, a date. Well, he started getting out there, and now he's with this woman who is head over heels in love with him, thinks he's God's gift to, to everything, and he's in love with her, too, and, you know, they're they're talking about marriage. I, I'm kind of, like, putting him on the slow burner, because <laughs> it's very easy to get excited and to run away with, with uh, your feelings, but... um. You know, and it's in this really beautiful relationship. And the biggest testament that I have to say for him is, like, I was not surprised at all because he came to me with just this beautiful energy and this beautiful perspective. And it, it didn't surprise me at all that all of a sudden he's in this relationship that he dreamt of and never thought it was a possibility. Right. Do you um, have any thoughts around... Just tips for those who are single who, like the time in between when we are dating, how to approach dating in a way that doesn't feel like complete torture? <laughs> right? Well, if it's not fun, then you need to take a break. People think that that's, that's a huge thing, too. Is they think that, like, if they're not pursuing, they're not on Match.com, if they're not on OkCupid, if they're not on Tinder, I'm failing, I'm failing, and I, I need to be on there. Well, guess what? If, if you're feeling is that dating is horrible and this is really painful, you need to take a break because whatever energy you're putting into that, you're going to get out some angry people. So understanding that if, if you get to the point where it feels like torture, stop, just stop, don't do anything. And I put people on timeout all the time. I'm like, this is not healthy for you. It's not healthy for what you're going to attract in. So taking that break and understanding that if you take a week off or a month off, I don't care if you take a year off of being online or going out with the intention of meeting people, the world's not going to end. You're not wasting your life. It's going to be really good for you and likely will lead you towards that path of meeting somebody because you're in a better place. Um, So it's okay to take breaks. Oh, sorry. No, no, just... No, and and then it's just, you know, and, and just understanding that the more positivity that you can bring into it, the better. And like I said, with my one client, like you just have the best attitude and not saying that, you know, you're going to go on a horrible date with somebody and be like, that was amazing. I can't wait to do that again. Learn so much. (laughs) But at the same time, if you can, you're just in such a better place and you don't have that, that anger. There's an anger that I feel sometimes with people and, if I feel it, it means that other people are feeling it too. They might not recognize where it's coming from, but it doesn't feel good. So, what do you mean, ang- just this anger of I'm just, just so frustration tired. with dating and life yeah. and love and all of those things? Um, it, you know, I, you can feel it when they're just not happy and they're there and they they're resentful of the process. Right. Right. No, it's it's definitely true. And so, okay, so you're saying that if we're really not enjoying dating, that it's actually important to take a break. So not just to force yourself to do it. How do we get to a point where we can go on a date and not be kind of obsessively thinking, okay, is this going to become something or, you know, just beginning to interview the other person? <laughs> Which 
Yeah, I used to be a lawyer, so I, I always joke around. I was like, this isn't a deposition. You're not writing a list of 140 questions and just going through them. But um, you have to be aware of it and also understand that you have perfect control of your thoughts. It doesn't sound like you do half the time. It doesn't feel like you do sometimes. But we do, and you can keep yourself from falling down that black hole. And that's what it is. You know, when we, we allow our thoughts to run away with, that, with our, themselves, and they go procreate and create more thoughts that are all about, okay, now where do we look like on our wedding day and where are we living and where are our kids and what about how are our friends supposed to get along and what about his parents and all of this stuff. It doesn't matter. What matters is the here and now and going back to that Power of Now book, it's great for really just focusing your thoughts on right now. Um, so when you feel yourself spiraling into that future tripping, you got you have the control to bring it back. Yes. So you've you've shared some stories with us for people who are single and the way that like when when their attitude shifted, just the magic that appeared in their life. What about those who you've worked with who come to you because they are looking to improve a current relationship that they're in? Can you share some stories around that? Sure. Yeah. And you know the first the first couple that came to mind is they came to me uh, just to work on their communication and literally were just completely disconnected, neither was hearing each other. And I, I'm not the type of person, I don't work with people for years. You know, we typically work a couple months, if that, because I want them to be able to do it on their own and, and really take it with them. And we, in a couple of sessions, were able to get them really just connecting with each other. Sometimes people just need to realize that they can slow down and actually connect with each other and, and hear them and change everything. Um and they have been very happy. That was about, like, five years ago. So they've been very content ever since. And I always check in, you know, once every couple months and with most of the people I've worked with just to bug them. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, so their, you know, so their biggest focus then was was beginning to learn how to communicate better. Yeah. That was the yeah, and thing. it was like, well, what does that give? And we did. We did the five love languages and had them figure out what they were missing and what they needed and, once they started receiving what they needed, it's like, oh, now I feel good, and I want to make you feel good now, too, because I feel good. But right. when I when I feel unappreciated and disrespected or avoided or ignored, then, you know, I, I don't want to do anything nice for you. And, and the challenge is, I think, so often we get into the pattern of someone's doing something that annoys us, or they feel like they're, we feel like we're not getting the attention we deserve, so we then begin to kind of do the same, the very same thing. And now we're not, we're cutting ourselves off from that other person. Yeah, exactly. We, we definitely have a habit as piety for going tit for tat. So it's like, are you going to be mean to me? I'm going to be meaner to you. Or you're going to ignore me? Well, I'm not going to talk to you. And, it's, you know, that's a, it's a relationship killer. And, and pride has no place in a relationship. Pride and ego have no place. And, when we allow it to come in and when we, when we put ourselves in that, that boxing match, no one wins. Right. You never win. So be the, be the person to be bigger and, and actually have a conversation about how they made you feel when that happened, you know, when they were being annoying to you or mean to you or whatever it was, instead of coming back and being like, well, I'm just going to be a jerk to you now. Yes. Yeah. Do you feel that if you um, have to kind of have a communicate, you have to communicate with someone about something Within the relationship, is it important to do some inner work before we have that communication? And if so, what does that look like? 
Well, I think the biggest thing that I see with communication about problems in a relationship or anything in a relationship is you need to make sure that you're not projecting it before you do it. So what's I'm sure that, a lot of people. What's that mean, projecting? What's that? What do you mean by projecting? So a lot of times we project stuff that happened in the past. Like we bring that baggage and, you know, a, an extreme example is like our, you know, your husband isn't answering your text messages within two hours and in the past you were cheated on by your spouse or whoever you were dating and all of a sudden you're projecting that onto him and saying, oh my gosh, because he's not doing this, he's cheating on me. And then you, you enter that communication cycle with this projection of a past issue. So understanding that we all have that stuff and we all have reactions. I like the saying, and this is kind of what I live by, is that if you're hysterical, it's historical. So if you get all freaked out, if you get all, you know, psyched up because of it, it's probably because it's something from the past. So understanding that and doing the work to recognize it, and a lot of times, like I said before, if you recognize it and you're aware of it, you can move past it um, or do the work that you need to do to release it. And then have that communication. If you're not hysterical, then it's probably it's probably cool. Right. <laughs> awesome. Well, Rachel, this has been so enlightening. And I know that on your website, racheldialto.com, everyone that's listening can get a free video if they sign up for your newsletter. So I recommend that. That's Rachel Dialto. That's D-E-A-L-T-O. And um, Rachel, I know you do a lot of great workshops um, and speaking events. Where can people stay in touch with you and learn about those? Yeah, the, the best way is through my newsletter. So um, if you sign up for that and get that free video, you'll be added to the newsletter and you can find out. Um, I do typically a bunch of retreats throughout the year, go to fun places, hang out on the beach, and then become a, you know an awesome person. So yes. <laughs> that's my thing. What an amazing <laughs> place to be. You know, if you're really going to do this inner work, and let go of the frustration of being single. And uh, I think it's so important to have a community and that's what you're providing with these workshops and these retreats. So again, I recommend everyone uh, checking that out at racheldialto.com. Rachel, it was a real pleasure. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Jess. 